You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at CBA and today I'm joined by Joseph Kapursa, our Head of International Economics. Joe, nice to have you on. Hi Belinda, it's great to be back. No shortage of global issues we can discuss. So it's Friday the 18th of March, so we've had two big central bank meetings this week. So the Federal Reserve lifted... The Fed funds rate for the first time since 2018, as was widely expected. We'll talk about that. Bank of England lifted their bank rate for the third month in a row. And then we're three weeks into the war in the Ukraine. So we're going to unpack all of that. There's a lot to cover. There is a lot to cover. So let's start with the Fed. So as was widely expected, lifted the Fed funds rate. They're going to have a lot more tightening to come, aren't they? Oh, they certainly will. One of the things that the, that the Fed did was they updated their so-called dot plot. Mm. So that's the, um, the, the projections of uh, various economic variables like inflation and, and economic growth and, and unemployment and also their projections of their own uh, policy rate, the, the Fed funds rate. And the, the real surprise there was they expect to raise the funds rate all the way up to just below 3% next year. I mean, close to 3%. That's a much higher terminal cash rate than we're expecting here in Australia. We've got the Reserve Bank going to just 1.25%. Why is there such a big difference? It boils down to inflation. Mm. In the US, uh, inflation, depending on how you want to measure it, is very, very high. If If you just look at, for example, the core measures, depending on which one you look at, they're 4 or 5%. If you look at the annualised, say, trimmed measures, then they're, they're getting close to 7 or 8%. So the US has a very big inflation problem. I've had it for a number of months. Uh, the Fed, which has just started tightening monetary policy now, is well behind the curve. So they lifted after the Bank of England, but the Bank of England have now done three rate hikes. What are you expecting from their upcoming meetings? So we, we think the given the they've already made three hikes, given the Ukraine issue mm. adds some uncertainty about inflation but also economic growth, uh, we think they'll probably start to slow the pace of hikes from here. And just like with the Reserve Bank of Australia, we think that the peak is going to be a lot lower in the United Kingdom than it is going to be uh, in the United States. So we think that the peak will be around one and a quarter percent and that that peak will probably be reached sometime next year. Okay. So very different profiles for the central banks between the UK, Australia and the Fed. Obviously a lot more tightening to come from the Fed and based on what Uh, Fed Chair Powell was saying, they seem to be still much more concerned about the risk of higher inflation than the risk to growth at this point in time. They seem to be quite comfortable on the growth outlook in the US. That's right. I mean, 
to quote Chairman Powell, he said the economy is very strong mm. and can handle tighter policy. So um, it, it, it is very different to the sorts of challenges that other central banks are facing, like in England and like uh, in Frankfurt. Yes. Okay. So turning our attention to the war in the Ukraine, it's three weeks since. It's obviously been very devastating uh, for the country. The movements in financial markets in the short term are very much focused on market volatility, but also lifts in commodity prices, particularly oil and wheat, because Russia is such a big producer of both of those commodities. There's going to be long-term implications as well for the world economy. You published a note just a couple of days ago just kind of thinking through what some of these longer-term issues will be. Where, how did you approach this? How did you start to think about what were some of the impacts? Is it really just based on the Russian economy and, and how big they are, how dominant they are in, in certain elements, particularly oil? That's certainly a good a good place to start. Mm. Um, I guess an, an alternative is to think about well, what are the objectives here of the Western European governments and the and the United States government, and we think it, it boils down to I don't want to have a military confrontation with the Russian government, they're, but they're more than willing to have what you might call an economic confrontation yeah. with the government. So what what uh, the impact of their uh, measures have been? is to uh, deny or at least to reduce um, oil revenues and gas revenues to the Russian government because those revenues are about 20% of Russian government Mm. um, tax collection. So it's very important. And so this is going to hurt the Russian economy uh, materially and and the idea there is to increase the costs to the Russian government of the war in, in, in Ukraine. Uh, now, of course, that's, um, those sorts of uh, financial sanctions um, have disrupted commodity trade. Yes. So, if you disrupt if you disrupt the banking system, mm. you disrupt commodity trade finance. And of course, we've seen in the commodity markets uh, broad-based and large uh, increases in a range of commodities where uh, Russia plays a, a big part. Wheat really sticks out. Yeah. Uh, Oil um, prices went up a long way, but they've come back down. They're not too far away from where they were pre-war. Gas prices, particularly in Europe, are sky high. And uh, we think that the longer-term impacts are probably going to be a a potentially a structural shift up in global energy prices. So that's going to impact obviously longer-term energy prices, but it's also going to impact where investment flows, won't it? So investors will want to put their money where they feel it's safer and maybe where it's not so political and the, the risk in Russia at the moment is obviously very high. So you're going to see money flow there. But what you've also pointed out is we may also start to see a speed-up in sustainable energy projects as well. That's right. So the increase in you, you, the way you could think of it is the, there's been an increase in non-Russian energy prices, mm. and so that does two things. One, it incentivizes um, non-Russian energy supply, which might be fossil fuels like yep. gas and coal and oil, or it might be uh, more sus- environmentally sustainable energy sources like wind and solar and hydrogen. And the like. 
while there has already been a shift towards more sustainable energy supply, um, the big increase in energy prices is just going to accentuate or accelerate that existing trend. So for me, all I keep thinking when I'm hearing this is inflation. So obviously the cost of these new projects, building new projects, financing new projects at a time when there's already supply constraints and labour shortages in a number of advanced economies. Are we going to be in for a higher inflation world? A lot of commentators are bringing back the word stagflation. What are the prospects for that? So we, we already are. In most economies that we cover, Certainly not all. Japan and China are definitely the exceptions mm. here. And then, let's face it, number two and number three world's largest economies. But particularly in what you, you might call Western Europe and North America and Australasia, inflation is either well above the target or um, getting uncomfortably mm. above uh, the central bank target. And these sorts of, of, of issues uh, are going to... Um, just be accentuated by this supply shock of Russian energy uh, supply and, and, and uh, food supply. Now, the big question for central bankers is, does this supply-driven spike in in uh, commodity prices spill over into inflation expectation? Does it feel, if you do get an increase in inflation expectation, then you're going to see... Um, those expectations embedded in higher wage demand. And that is, uh, at least traditionally, mm. been a red flag for, for central banks. They, they get very concerned if wages grow too fast ahead of productivity growth. And um, it's been, well, it's been a while since central banks have had to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, that's something that is sort of front of mind. And in, in the US, there is most certainly evidence that Inflation expectations have gone up a long way, or so, materially, since the pandemic. Not so much in, in other places. That's gone up a bit in the UK. Mm. Uh, but the evidence elsewhere isn't that strong. Now, stagflation, is that is that a risk? Uh, now, what is stagflation? Probably uh, yeah, a good place first to thing start. we should discuss. Yep. But there's a lot of uh, confusion on what it is. It basically means you have a combination of two things. One is High inflation, and the other is high unemployment. And unemployment is low, in fact, very low in more or less all the economies that we cover. So we're certainly not in stagflation now. And then the question is, well, which economies are most at risk of, of having that combination of high unemployment and high inflation? And it's got to be Europe, because yeah. Europe is more exposed to this supply shock of Russian energy. It's going to certainly be a very interesting 2022. You know, we've talked about this before, but we've had two years of pandemic, multiple years before that of low inflation, low interest rates. We're now in 2022 set for higher inflation and the risk is higher, rising interest rates and still the geopolitical concern out there. That's right. I mean, central banks for so many years have been have been underperforming on mm. their inflation target. And uh, I guess it just reminds you of that old uh, quip, careful what you wish for, because <laughs> you might get it. Well, that's and, a, uh, and they've got it in spades. They do have it in spades. Uh, maybe a little bit less so than Australia, but we're catching up quickly. And I guess the, the next 
issue that we probably need to start to think about is fiscal policy. Now, that's a topic for a whole other uh, podcast. We have the Australian budget coming up very quickly in less than two weeks. It'll be interesting to see what the Treasurer here does in terms of starting to think about budget repair, uh, just given the strength of the economy. And the same could be said for other countries around the world. Joe, thanks for joining. Great to be back. Thanks, Linda. Now you can read Joseph Perso's report on the potential long-term implications for the world economy, which was published on the 16th of March 2022 on combankresearch.com.au as well as the note on the lift in the Fed funds rate. Mm-hmm.